What Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee's Dan. Is he giving off too much of a creepy Oompa Loompa vibe? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me, me, at your next event. Uh, this, uh, let's see, today on the program, Michael Ken. Who's Michael Ken, you say? Huh, you're going to find out in the next few minutes. So you have that to look forward to in your ears. This week's shows, well, due to the coronavirus that is currently happening <laughs> as we record this in March of 2020, uh, well, there's no public shows. I do have a wedding. Uh, we're going to try to try to get that thing going in Monticello, Arkansas. So kind of stoked about that. Uh, I think it's going to be a very small, small gathering uh, in a very large, large room. So social distancing will be practiced <laughs> as the CDC has ordered. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I did a wedding last Saturday and it came out really nice. It was, a you know, very small, had about 30 people in a nice big room. So I suspect this one will be good, too. You know, she's uh, she's Spanish, so she's got some Latin music coming, and he's uh, from Arkansas. He's country, so we're going to have some country music, and I like it. Blending the people together. All right. Let's talk to Michael Ken and find out more about Michael Ken. Calling Michael Ken now. Man. Michael Ken. Of M- <laughs> How you doing? Oh, it's so good. Of MK Promotions. Yes, sir, man. Lisa Swift is a woman. Let me tell you, she knows what's going on. <laughs> That's good. You got that right off the bat. You got to give shout outs. Got to give credit where credit is due. The people that Let help me tell you, you along. Something. She is an awesome promoter. Um, she's been really good. She's been really good. Well, she's done of a really lot of good, good work. I've been listening to Michael Ken all day long. I mean, you have? I, oh, my goodness. And, and it sounds like we're about the same age because you started in 86. And I, I think I officially started DJing in 86. Uh, so, yeah. you know, class of 86 rules. Uh, so no I just, kidding, man. I, I right. just, did yeah. you graduate in 86? Yeah, somewhere in that yeah, time zone. Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> the, the very elusive, there, you know? the very elusive Michael Ken. I dig it. Now, uh, born yes. and raised in North Carolina. Yes, sir. That's where yeah. all the music started. That's where it all happened. It did, and uh, it's been a good journey. Well, tell yeah, the people a little bit about Michael Ken. Who are you, man? I'm just an old, another picker out here in the group, you know. But I've been playing. I started 20 years ago, and uh, I started full time 20 years ago. I was playing for years, trying to find myself in music. And about 20 years ago, I um, got a gig opening up for Travis Tritt. What? Yeah, I started working with him. And then I went from there and I worked with Craig Morgan, went to uh, David Allen Coe and Confederate Railroad. And then one of my dearest friends in the world, Earl Thomas Conley, um, he uh, was a great mentor um, to me. And and it was a really good experience. But I I was fortunate enough to be in Nashville at the time, you know, to where... You know, music changed a lot. Um, it's changed, as you well know. You know, oh, yeah. You see people it, 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 80s country is so much different than now, today's country. I mean, it's so much different than the 40s and 50, what they what they considered country. And then the 70s yeah. and 80s, it was a little bit, uh, a whole lot of eyeshadow, you know. But country kind of took a, a back seat to a lot of things as far as I, I can figure out. But now it's country's at the forefront. It, it's a, it's right uh, right up on top. Uh, you know, crossovers and the like. But you've touched a lot of greatness, man. How did you get involved with all these people? Travis Tritt starting there and working your way out. Well, I was, when I first went to Nashville, what was really cool was I went to Nashville and I always heard of Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, you know. So I had, uh, I was going for weekend stays, you know, like four days, you know, we go in on Thursday and go home on Monday, you know. And 
And I got to Nashville, and I, the first thing I knew, I, let's go to Tootsie's, you know. So we go down there, and, you know, we're looking at all the tours, walking around. Here I am my guitar, and I walked into Tootsie's, and there was a guy named Jimmy Snyder, which became one of my dearest friends in the world and in the business, too. And he was the stage manager at Tootsie's. And I looked up at him, and I said, you know, he had got done with a song. I said, do you know where I can play in Nashville? I said, you know, so I can start playing. And he said, yeah, right here. He gave me his guitar. It like, freaked me out. <laughs> That's and, great. What kind of guitar did he give you? His he had a talk. He played Takamine. He had a Takamine guitar. Is that and, a good guitar? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Jimmy was a, Jimmy's a class act. He'd been at Tootsie's for years and years, and he came there in the eighties at a later age, and uh, he just he'd done a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of cool stuff. So he'd uh, he believed, and he heard me sing, and he believed in me. So every time I came to Nashville, he would call me when I'd leave and come back to North Carolina and say, when you come back to Nashville, I said, I'll be there on this certain date. He said, good. And so he'd give me his guitar and I'd go and start playing and taking his place while he was playing during the day, from two to um, two to six. And we get to play in and, uh, and it was like, it was really cool. Long story short, but no, it make it longer. I like it. I like long stories. And so then I met, um, and I started you know, hanging around the clubs there. You know, I didn't know anything to do. You know, um, I went to Commodore Club, which is a songwriting joint there at the uh, on right off Broadway. And I started playing. You know, doing original songs there at night. And um, Debbie Champion runs that, and she was actually from the town I was living in at the time. Hmm. So we kind of hit it off. And it was meant to be, you know, so I started playing there and then I'd go back down to Broadway and I met Clinton Gregory, which is a good friend of mine. And Clinton Gregory, if you Google Clinton Gregory, you'll see the greatness he is. He's a, he's a fiddle player, but he um, plays guitar and sings. He's got a lot of good music out there. And uh, so he kind of mentored me and, you know, I went in different directions. Well, one night I was playing at the stage there in Nashville, which is two doors down from um, Tootsie's. Mm. and. Uh, one of the promoters came in from Travis Tritt, and uh, they heard me playing just me and my guitar on one song and asked me if I wanted to open up. So my daddy at the time was my manager, and we hooked it up. So I started doing working out of North Carolina and Southern Virginia, opening up when people would come through. Man, so Michael Ken, mm-hmm. sounds like you make friends, you make uh, c- uh, comrades, long-lasting relationships. And it sounds like these people have been helping you out throughout uh, throughout your career. I mean, you you say you started 20 years ago, about the year 2000. You made your way to Nashville. Exactly. I recorded my first album that I wrote all the songs um, was in 2005. Mm. It was done in 2005. It started in 2004. And, and you're writing uh, all these songs. Yeah. When did that start? Yeah. And when did your songwriting start? I started writing in 86. Uh, see, a lot of people don't know that I was born legally blind. You can't tell I'm blind. I was born with a, a disease called macular degeneration. Huh. And and what that is, is just it's basically, you know, you can't see small print. You can't see faces across the room real good. Stuff like that. It's not like I'm walking around with a cane or anything. And so I went to school for the blind. I met Ronnie Millsap and Ronnie Millsap said, you need to sing country music. He asked me what I was singing. Well, at the time I was doing like 80s rock and like cover tunes from like the Eagles. Yeah. You know? And and that's what I was doing. I and mean, that's what I needed to play. So I got into Keith Whitley and that kind of thing. And eventually I made it to Nashville and and uh, started, you know, and found myself with that. And so I started writing my first album in 2000. And three, I started the album, and I wrote uh, 12 songs on Living on Borrowed Time. And then I done Everyone Loves a Song. Those were on, the, all my music is on iTunes, Apple Music, that kind of thing. You can Google Michael Ken and see all of it. You know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so then I, I made good connections. I made good choices, fortunately, in the business, you know. And I met people. It was so it was so cool because I got to open up people like Earl Thomas Conley. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was best friends with Keith Whitley. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, and and he 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 actually told me I never forget the first night I opened up for Earl. He said I pulled up and he said I actually listened to you, to you through my bus window. And he said I liked what you sound like. And I thought that was like a major compliment because I was looking at this dude like being. 
you know, Earl Thomas Conley was like one of the biggest, you know, back in the day, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, the the world lost a a, a big a talent last year when they lost yeah. Earl, Earl Thomas Thomas Conley for yeah. sure. And, and, you know, let me tell you something about Earl Thomas Conley. Mm-hmm. This guy is like, and Blake Shelton's very good friends with him. Mm. Was very good friends with him. A lot of people loved Earl because he was the kind of guy that you would meet in Walmart and you'd never know he's a star. You know what I mean? Yeah, very unassuming. He, he, he was such a good guy. You know, he's a, a cool guy. And he, he told me one time on Earth, forget he looked at me and said, Michael, he said, there's a long way between me and you. And I didn't really get it at the time, but I do now. And he was telling me to keep my nose clean and just keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, he was saying, you'll be okay. He said, because I've seen all the stuff you're going to see is what he was saying. You know? So Man, really when, cool. when Ronnie Millsap tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs> I think you, yeah. you took some good yeah. advice. But you still dabble. Uh, you do country, but you still dabble in cover songs, uh, covering maybe rock and pop songs, but in a country fashion. The I Go Crazy by Paul Davis. Uh, that that is an amazing rendition. I know that you just shared that on your on your Facebook. It's one of the first things that I listened to, and I loved that song back in the eighties, man. That was that was a song that just every time it comes on, it just gives me that feeling of being back in high school and and dreaming about it. And you're playing it with a in in good Michael Ken fashion. And you're did you do all the arrangement on that yourself? Or just your solo well, guitar? What happened? This is an awesome story. Listen Please, to this. this is funny. This was. This was meant to be, okay, we had been recording. I was recording an eight-song EP in Nashville with some of the best players, Jeff King from Reba McIntyre's band. Shane Keister has played with the Eagles, Dan Seals. He's played with Dan, He's played with so many people. <laughs> he was the one that done all the keyboard work. Um, Jeff King was a guitar player. He's, he's Reba's number one guitar player. Anytime you see Reba playing, that's Jeff with the dark hair, the tall guy playing guitar. Well, so I was recording this project there and the publishers took one of the songs that I'd been working on. I'd been flying back to North Carolina and then flying back to Nashville. And I was going to my vocal coach to, to work on certain notes I needed to hit vocally. And they pulled this song. We had this great wedding song. The publisher said, you can't have it now. Somebody big wants it, blah, blah, blah. I've never heard it on the radio since, but it got pulled. And it was a great song. So um, my producer, Cliff Down, said, look, he said, do you have a song that you've done at shows that you really believe in? Because we're like on a time schedule here. We need to get this done. I said, yeah, I got one. And so I said, I go crazy from Paul Davis. And his eyes lit up. He said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, look, I play this at shows. And there's like kids 20 years old, 18 to 40 year olds coming up going, what a great song. Is that your song? And I'm like, Boy, <laughs> hey, you know what that means when that happens. You're you going, have made it your own is what you did. So what we did is, is I took it to Jeff King and it with very nervous fingers, let you know. And so I'm sitting between, in front of all these guys that's done so many big things in the music business. And so Shane Keister sitting there, Jeff King, some other players. And then Cliff's standing back there looking over his glasses at me like, what's he getting ready to pull out? And I started playing it, my version, the way I done it shows on the acoustic guitar. And every one of them's eyes just like went, wow, we got to make this song country. And that's where that version come up from. Man, I know it's been covered before. It's been covered by country artists before. It's a great song. I'm surprised that that some of these kids are still don't know it. But, you know, hey, uh, people my age, people our age, they. We don't, yeah. we don't think, we think that all the music we grew up with, all the kids today w- will know it, you know, but they got to be exposed to it. And, but oh, yeah. You, yeah. And you're exposing them to it. Uh, you're making that song your own and making them think, oh, may- maybe that's one of his songs. Maybe that's a Michael yeah. Ken song, but you've got yeah, a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. When I do it at shows, they're always asking what album's this on. I played a winery. Um, it's been a couple of years ago and I had this couple that came they had heard of me through Facebook or some kind of social media mm. and they came down from Washington DC. And this is always in North Carolina just to see me play, which is a big honor. And they said, what album do you have that on? And I said, at the time I didn't have it on anything. I said, no, I said, I'm going to release it, but it's not on anything yet. 
which now it's as you know it's going up on iTunes. It'll be released on March the twenty seventh. And what uh, does it entail it, to to get the rights to to sing that kind of a song, uh, a cover song? What was interesting is it, well, usually what happens is see, I own my own publishing company out of Nashville too. Oh, that's um, great too. Say that name again. Yeah, you have to pay the rights on it. And basically, 500 copies may cost you $80 if you're going to cover somebody's song. Um, But what happened with this is Paul Davis, his song was, it went to public domain for whatever reason, meaning that anybody could sing it. That's why. That's why it's been covered so much. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's a shame because evidently when Paul Davis died that they did somebody didn't pick up the ball and, you know, republish. See, after 30 years, it has to be re, you know, it has to be republished again, you know, and, and they didn't do it. I and did not know that. I don't know what happened with that. You know, it's history. But, um, but I put it out there and my whole goal with that song is, is I'm trying to bring it out forefront because here's the thing in America today. And we all know this, and we've got the coronavirus right now. We've got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We've got gangs on the rise. We've got so much, so much sadness is in the world, to be honest with you. And we need heartfelt music again, okay? We need that music that touches people's hearts and reminds them we have a heart. You know, we care anymore. And, you, and bring people close, you know? And that's, that was my goal with that song. And a few other ones that's coming on this project. It's some nine song project, and uh, it's some good music on there. That's and sweet, Michael. Can you can uplift people with your music, and and you know uh, that is a well known song. I I believe that you sing that song. It's going to fish people in. It's going to bring people to the the Michael Ken experience. And please say the name of your uh, publish your recording company again. I don't think I got it. Oh yeah, well the. You mean the uh, the comp- the the publishing? Yeah, group? your own publishing company. Yeah, it's Celtic Cowboy Publishing. Celtic Cowboy. I noticed on one of your YouTube's, and you have several YouTube's. I I need to put them all on the show notes so people know which one. One of them has a Michael Ken with a Celtic symbol. Uh, tell me the what happened there. I, I, Irish background then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I'm I'm our Irish background, yeah. Fantastic! Um, I have an Irish you national kilt. Free, yeah, that's cool. Well, what was happening is, you know, the Celtic knot. Um, I I always wore that, you know, and it kind of caught on. People would be at shows saying, "I love your necklace." I said, "Thanks, it's cool." So I decided to incorporate it into my to my um with Michael Ken in the middle of the name. Very and smart. And Lisa Swift has done real good with, you know, bringing that artwork out forefront, you know, because it's something, you know, as you well know, in music, everybody has their thing, you know. I mean, Garth Brooks got that really big G, you know, and all that stuff, you know. So everybody's got their own thing, you know, their own symbol. And it just happened. It happened by accident, but it happened. It was cool. You know, it worked. And your thing, you got the, the, you know, you're a tall man and you're described as a handsome man. Uh, they got the cowboy hat. And now, because you told me about what happened to your eyes, what's going on is that's why you're wearing the sunglasses all the time. Now I get it. Yeah. You know, my brother, he yeah. lives in North Carolina and he was legally blind, blind. And his name is Ken for that matter. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, he was legally blind. He got LASIK surgery. Did you go through some of that surgery or, or you still have trouble uh, reading small print? Yeah, my eyes. Th- Macular degeneration's in you can't correct. It's mm. not correctable. Um, it's a it's a small, very small hole in the middle of the retina that disfocuses everything. And how does that um, affect your songwriting? Because I mean, you you do have to write small print, or 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 can you play something? And is there an app that that allows you to translate it into into music? I, I'm not. Uh, I think I might have heard of something like that. But how do you write your music? Three, I- I just write, I write kind of, I write large enough for me to see it. And mm-hmm. most things I record, you know, I record down on a little handheld or actually on my phone now. Oh. And, uh, and so I don't really have much of a problem with it. Are you able you to know? read music or has that not been a, a factor in your career? It's really not. No, I play by ear. I can listen to something and hear it and play it. 
man, that's a great skill to have. I'm so jealous, Michael Ken. I got three <laughs> guitars that I cannot play. Uh, you know, I can play like three or four chords. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm two finger Ted. You can do it. I, it's it's you have to focus on it, and you you find your own way. I tell everybody it's like this: you do everything the way you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I don't believe in the the universal way of teaching. I think every, I used to teach guitar, and I told everybody, I said, "We're going to do this the way you can do it." And I find the way people learn, and you know, we work with that. Well, how you did know, some you? People learn by song, some people learn by music, reading it. How did you learn, Michael Ken? How, who taught? Who who gave you the first guitar? Who gave you the inkling uh, to become a musician? Was that something that you learned in grade school or something you just picked up? No, my daddy, my daddy played guitar and always called it Andy Griffith style. You know, he played like the, you know, that kind of style of guitar and he had a guitar. But I actually, if I had to tell people who taught me it would probably be the Eagles, because I started sitting down with Eagles albums and listening to the first song I ever learned to play on guitar was Lion Eyes from the Eagles and singing that. And, uh, because I could hear it and I played it by ear. Man, one and, of my first three eight tracks, uh, was the Eagles greatest hits. And I played that eight track over and over and over. And that oh, was, yeah. you know, about 75. I think I had that eight track and man, I wore mm-hmm. that thing out. I, I love the, the Eagles though. And they're diverse. They, they have di- a different style because they've had so many different, uh, band members change, you know, with Joe Walsh and Glenn Fry and, and, and yeah. uh, you know, this, different, different, whenever different members showed up, they brought their own flavor. So it made the band uh, that much better. Exactly. And, and I think that a lot of times, you know, I've never been a, a genre person. I mean, I like hear something, I like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that if you incorporate all these styles into one, you come up with something. I mean, you can listen to some of my music that I've written. And it's like really, really country. And then you listen to another one, and it's almost more pop, you know. But the thing is, if I let's let's put it this way, Travis Tritt said one time to me, he said, "If I feel it, they're gonna feel it." And I'll never forget what he said. And he said that I I related to that because when I learn a cover song, like I go crazy. Give you an example that's coming out on the twenty seventh. When I first played that song, I felt it in the deepest part of my soul. And I said, you know what? When I go out and play this live, they're going to feel it coming for me. That energy is going to come to them and they're going to feel it. And you know what? It did. Oh, yeah. And and it's, and that's the way I learned songs. I mean, I don't learn. I'll never learn what's popular on the radio. I'll learn what I feel. That's like the other. It's been a while back that I played a show. And out of the top of my head, I pulled, I never keep a song list because I can't see, of course. I can't mm-hmm. keep a song list on the floor, so I'm always pulling songs out of my head. So I've got a bunch of them in there. And, <laughs> well, it's a good thing you're a solo guitarist because it'd be tough for a band to to uh, to keep with the changes. <laughs> my band, my, actually, the guys that I've played with follow me. That is I'll, excellent. I always have a guitar player over over to the right. I'll call it out, and he'll let them know. All right, we're getting ready to do this. And uh, and even if it's a if, if we have like four songs, we're going to hit one after another, then we all know those songs, you know, like we do an Eagles tribute. I do in all of my shows. We know which ones we're going to do. So it works really good. Man, I may I might be misremembering, but I remember I think it was Hank Williams Sr. Uh, was in an interview one time and he was talking about music and genres. And he said back back when he was singing, it, it, there wasn't any genres. It was just music. You played it, and if people liked it, they bought your your little record, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, this genre thing is is pretty recent over the past, you know, 50 years or so, uh, where where music has has been divided. And I like that you're crossing lines, you know? I I like that you can play anything, and and it makes people feel. If you like it, somebody else is going to like it, but you're going to play it Michael Ken style. And as Rodney Millsap said, it, that that style is primarily country. So tell me, exactly. you know, you yeah. do uh, the, a lot of the videos I've seen are are you as a solo, but I, I did see a, a, a few videos where you have an accompaniment. Uh, but tell me about your band. I mean, when did that start happening? Well, I've had bands off and on. Um, what was weird is is when I started opening up for David Allen Coe, mm. um, I got a gig opening up for him, and 
it was in Eden, North Carolina at uh, a fairground. And the stage manager pulled our band off stage like 20 minutes too early. Oh. And they come up and said, you're not supposed to be off. And they'd already pulled the drum kit off and everything, right? So my fiddle player looked at me and looked at the guy and said, look, he's fine. Let him finish it out. He'll be just fine by himself. And the guy, you sure? I said, yeah. So I played the last 20 minutes. When I got done, the production manager come up and told me, he said, look, we want you to continue in Richmond with us. He said, but we don't need the band. He said, you'll be fine by yourself, right? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. How did you so, feel about that? How did the band feel about that? That sounds like some Buddy Holly and the Cricket stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they were fine with it. Um, at the time, most of them had day jobs. Mm. Um, they they really wasn't up for tra- traveling. I could go and do what I do because that's all I've done. Yeah, you know? it it, it takes a toll on a family to be a traveling musician. Uh, you know, yeah, you you have to give up a lot. Yeah, and so we just took off, and um, it worked out really good. Oh, that's fantastic. And the guys were there if I needed them. I mean, I'm still friends with all these guys. If I ever needed them in North Carolina, call on them if I need them. But, and then when I, being in Nashville, I met a lot of good people um, through the studio. A lot of studio musicians are live players, too. One of my good friends, um, Justin Weaver, he plays, he used to play with Dixie Chicks. He plays with Josh Turner now. And if I go to Nashville and he's at home, which he's definitely going to be at home right now, mm. I could always call on him and say, look, I got a gig and he's there, you know. Oh, sounds like you got you got a good following in Nashville, uh, you know, and you're in North Carolina. I mean, what kind of yeah. gigs are you playing around town? Are you playing uh, weddings and bars and parties as a solo or, or what are you open to? I mainly do a lot of wineries, you know, to where they're going to listen to original music. I'll do wineries. I will play bars. I'll play different places, but um, but in North Carolina, that's pretty much what I do because this is really big here. Is the winery thing, the brewery thing, you know, those kind of places. Well, it sounds like you're a big fish in that pond. That's for sure. I mean, you a, a lot of people when they go to uh, to Nashville, yeah, it's music town, but you're a smaller yeah. fish in a bigger pond. But from what I understand, uh, Nashville is only about 15 or wait, about 12 minutes across. You could drive across it. it. It sounds like such a big town, but it's so small from what I understand. I've never been there. Uh, the furthest I've been or the closest I've been is Memphis. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I need to get to Ma- Nashville. Tell me your your thoughts on Nashville. I love Nashville. Nashville is always going to have part of me in it. Um, if you ever hear the song Long Way to Hollywood. Mm. um that song that I wrote, it's on, um, you can hear it on all of my, you can Google the song on, um, just Google Michael Ken Long Way to Hollywood, but I wrote that song. And uh, that's about in the day when I first went to Nashville, everybody was complaining about the music business changing and things were changing. They were all talking about, going, well, I'm going to go to Brett's, Missouri. I'm going to go to, you know, Hollywood or anything like that. And that's what that song's about. And, but the thing is, Nashville's always going to have a big part of my heart because I've, I've I met I was so lucky to meet some of the greatest people in Nashville that yeah. that give me direction. You know, a lot of people don't understand you can be a musician and you can you can set out to play clubs in your hometown or you can do this or do that. But the thing is, when you set out to go and reach for the big thing and go out to a strange place like Nashville was to me. You know, I was fortunate enough to meet some of the greatest mentors there. Yeah. And that's what was awesome about it. Now, Michael you know? Ken, have you been signed to big record labels or, or are you primarily doing this on your own independently? I've been independent. Um, I've had some I've had a couple of offers, mm-hmm. um, but I had reasons that I didn't take the offer. Okay? Yeah. What do you think um, about these big record companies? Because now in the digital age, you could do it all on your own. Exactly. And and I'm still open to getting a deal if it's the right deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because the thing is in the music business, you know, you've heard this, the old saying, you sold your soul, mm. you know. Well, sometimes you can make a mistake and get invested into something that you can't pay back. If that makes any kind of sense. Oh yeah, as you said, you haven't uh, fallen in those pitfalls. You 
you've thankfully had the right mentorship. You've met uh, yeah. a lot of the greats that have been down that road. Uh, all these musicians yeah. that you're talking about that you've opened for ha- have had yeah. the big record uh, labels. And, and I'm sure you got some advice uh, either for or against uh, signing with a yeah. company. Uh, you know, and, and, and now uh, you, you have a recording studio. I'm guessing that's your house, right? Well, I have a I have a, a friend that has a nice recording studio, but I I usually go back to Nashville to record. Well, give him a shout out. Uh, you know, give credit where credit is due. As uh, yeah. you know, you could be a songwriter, you could come with an idea, but it, it's good yeah. to have a good producer to to make that it to is. put that idea into fruition. So who who's it helping is. you along the way? Oh, the recording studios. Mm-hmm. I've done I've done a lot of stuff with a lot of um, studios along the way. A lot of producers, Cliff Downs. Um, was uh one of my best producers he was hard on me (laughs) you come at him with ideas and he said no no let's do this i can say this he wouldn't let me get away with like okay that sounds good to me to see a lot of vocalists don't understand that what we hear what we hear out of our mouth with our ears don't sound what you hear okay so when i'm singing i have to have a vocal coach to correct me Mm -hmm. okay they're very important to have because when you're singing, a lot of times you think, well, that's all right. But really, it might be horrible or it could be really good, but you don't really know yeah. unless you have that person you can trust to help you. And a good producer, Cliff Downs was one of them, can help you pull out the best. Like in I Go Crazy, he helped me. He produced I Go Crazy. Yeah. He knew what to do. He sent me home twice on the airplane and said, no, nah, you can do it better than that. Get back with your vocal coach and let's get to work. You know? Well, he's got and a discerning like, ear. He, he doesn't have, well, he, he might have uh, some sort of friendship with you, but he's not, he's not going to uh, sugarcoat it. He's going to tell you, you need to do it this way because this is the way it's been done. And this is the way that's going to sell. And it's going to sound the best this way. And what kind of response have you gotten with I go crazy so far? A very good one. Um, and I've gotten actually, I've gotten what I've hoping I would get it from it. Um, and I, when it hits iTunes on the twenty seventh, March twenty seventh, I really it'll tell tale. Um, because I've got a big following in Europe. I, I won a competition in England. I mean, in in North Carolina, in in Tennessee, back in two thousand seven, which took me on a tour over in Europe, and I toured Europe. Where'd you go? I was in, I was based out of Hastings, England, and I toured all over England and Scotland and Ireland. Man, it's amazing how yeah. much they love country music. I've talked to some musicians out yeah. there in England and even Australia and, and Canada, for that matter, all all over the the, the United Kingdom, and they yeah. love country music. And so, if you're bringing a brand of country music, the Michael Ken brand of country music, and yeah. you're getting a following all over the world. I love it. How does that make you feel? Playing, uh, playing for people uh, all over the world. I really feel like I'm like one of the most fortunate people in the world. I mean, uh, it's been it's been a great thing. Um, the people have been very gracious to me, and I've always been thick skinned I like people to tell me this sucks. Let me know. <laughs> have you have you had that? Have you? Don't burn. Listen, I've been doing this 20, 20 years, and I'm still here. Okay, so. Look, I didn't quit because somebody hurt my feelings. You know, it's like I told Cliff. I, Cliff tell me, he said, I'll never forget what we were doing. I go crazy. And he said, you sound like you're tied up in knots. I remember him telling me that one time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you sound nervous. And I said, well, maybe I am. Look at the people I'm around. And he said, listen, you need to work on these lines and, and give me a layout. And I went and fixed them. And we finally got it done. but. You know, that's what it takes. You have, you can't, if people that get cocky in music, there's a thing. If a human being is cocky and they think that they're better than everybody else, those are the first ones you don't hear from again. That's and a life yeah. lesson, Michael Ken. <laughs> it is because, look, it's like this. We're all human beings. We're all fall short of the goal most of the time. But the thing is, we have to be able to take criticism where criticism is due. All right. Hey. I'm not perfect, and and if I'm not doing it right, I want you to tell me so I can do it better. Like if my songs are not working out, hey, tell me, 
we'll do some different, you know? The man so, works well with others. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, do you, uh, tell me about the, the first album. When did that come about? Or 2003, you were working on that thing. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had already been in the business for, uh, well, shoot, had to be, what, 15 years already by that time. Yeah. And and you you said uh, in all those fifteen years you hadn't recorded anything. Uh, what what no. had you been? What kind of gigs were you doing all, on those fifteen years before the album? I was I was sitting in with other people mm. and you know just playing you know cover songs with people and stuff like that. But I was I had songs that I'd written. But the thing was, was I had a cousin. My cousin and I were the same age, and he died from an aneurysm. And my cousin in 1986 was telling me, you have got to move to Nashville. You've got what it takes. Well, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't. I was like, you know, yeah, whatever. And my cousin and I were we were black and white. Yeah, he was different than I was. and He was the one who went to college. He was the one that did this and did that. And did everything right and i was like well whatever you know so i would never do it you know although i knew i played and i didn't believe in what i was doing he always believed in when he died in uh 2001 yeah when he died uh he was like my brother i mean we were like brothers we're the same age we experienced everything together and uh, when he died i was like you know i gotta listen to what he said and that's when that that's where it came about, and that's where I wrote my first. Album. I started writing it back then. Man, that sounds like a tribute right there. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you had your cousin that was your inspiration, even after death. Yeah. He's inspiring you. Uh, you know, it sounds oh, yeah. like you were thick as thieves, man, doing everything together, just uh, oh, know, yeah. growing up together. You were getting your your music musical chops. Uh, you know, <laughs> bo- you're uh, getting yourself uh, chopped up and uh, making sure that your music was right. Uh, all yeah. those years and and oh, him, yeah. him right alongside you and then his yeah. passing you actually did go to nashville or did you start uh putting that that album together in, in north carolina i'll put it in oh it is in north carolina and after i got done with that album um i had that one song on that album called living on borrowed time and uh, i actually entered a contest um songwriting contest and it's good lyrics in that song and uh and I entered a contest and, you know, I decided to go and try out this contest. It was right outside Nashville. Hmm. And uh, I came in six in that contest, six or seven. <laughs> and so we went on to Nashville and that's where it all started. Yeah. I mean, Travis Tritt <laughs> and Ronnie Millsap. I'm guessing you missed, you met him in North Carolina. Yeah, I did. I met him at Governor Moorhead School in Raleigh. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. brushes with greatness yeah. man and, and that's making you great in turn working working well with others <laughs> yeah and i i just um you know i'm just like you know i've always been just me you know I, what you see on pictures is that that's who i am you mm-hmm. know i live in my town where i live at is 1666 people and how, how many that's of them do you know the town so you know i mean I am country, you know, but like I said before, I love music, and if I, if it hits me in my heart, then I'm gonna I'm gonna play it or I'm gonna sing it. Yeah, it doesn't matter what's popular on the charts. I could care less. It don't matter to me. I don't care what fads. I don't care if you're supposed to wear um, hip hugger jeans or whatever you're supposed to wear, or they're doing this, they're doing that. I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna be myself regardless, of whatever, because I've I learned years ago. If you're not yourself, you're going to burn out. Ah, but what mm. else can you be but yourself? If I mean, unless you're an actor and, you know, you're playing yeah. different characters. And and, and yeah. I guess, you know, as a musician, somewhat, you're playing a character up there on stage. But, you know, yeah. if, if you're yeah. saying that, you know, what you see up on stage and, man, you get the energy from that crowd. It's got to change a little bit. You start feeling it. You start playing better, playing different, playing yeah. to the crowd. You, you, the roar yeah. of the crowd makes you feel good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I could see that that would go go to your head. But you say you come off that stage and you're still the same Michael Ken, aren't you? Yeah, man, I'm just like I, I am what I am. And then when I was in England, you know, I'd, I'd done this song. It's funny, my daddy signed me up for this contest in Nashville, and I've been in Nashville. 
you know, me and some guys moved in an apartment and stuff, and we were living in this little apartment and stuff, Roach Motel Central. <laughs> and, you know, we were living there just to play music. I was eating a bag of potato chips of every few days to stay alive. And, you know, one of them deals, you know? Well, so I'm there. It's kind of like a Broadway story. And so he signed me up for this contest. And by that time, I'd been approached by every crook on the street. Well, if you'll pay X amount of dollars, we'll make you a star, that kind of thing, you know. And they always want to meet you in a restaurant. So my daddy said, you know, I got this contest. I said, Daddy, don't do it. It's a con. Well, he signed me up for this contest, and there was um, 175 people in this contest. And so it took three days to go through it, and everybody was singing all the country songs at the time were new. And this is in 2007, and I picked a song called Chiseled in Stone by Vern Gosden. Yeah, you did. That's yeah. a great song. <laughs> well, I told my daddy, I feel it, so I'm going to do it. So I go and sing this song, and everybody else is doing this new country and trying to run around the stage and do that kind of thing. You know, I'm like, well, whatever. So I done it anyway. My daddy paid $25 for the entry fee. So we done the contest, and sure enough, after three days, I won first place. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. Uh, I, I was like, yeah. so I won the contest, and the, the company that was um, putting it on, basically, your big winning from it was going on tour in England. Yeah. And so it took me across the pond, and I got to meet people there and made some good fans over in England. Played the whole country of England, which a lot of people don't know the country of England is the size of Texas, pretty much. Yeah, it is. But each each city is like its own little state. It, when you go it to is. England, from the English people that I talk to, oh, I'm from mm -hmm. this. I'm from London. I'm from Canterbury. I'm from uh, Sussex, mm -hmm. and they're all so different. They got the and they all they all got their own little ball teams and their own. It, it, it seems like different states, even though it's so tiny, you know? I know. It is. It's amazing. And they're the, they're the greatest people. They're so gracious, man. And like, you know, just neat people. You know, their their culture is really awesome, man. It's like, and and we, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. And I, I got to meet some of the best musicians I've ever known in my whole life. Those people, when they study music in England, they don't play around. Oh yeah, Andy Green. Give you a shout out to my buddy Andy Green. We're friends on Facebook. You talking about a guitar player? <laughs> this dude was a part of my band over there, and we toured the whole country. And it was like amazing. What a great guitar player! Oh, and man. we we just enjoyed the country. It was such a good thing. And I, I come back, and that really I needed that at the time, you know, oh. because if people don't understand something when you're you know, you can come from a small town and you, you strive to make it big and you go out and do things and you get so many bad deals along the way. And all of a sudden that one thing that happens, well, England was my big thing and it inspired me to keep going. And, and then the biggest next thing that inspired me years later to keep going was Lisa, Lisa Swift with, um, uh, MK Promotions. you know, when did you meet yeah. up with Lisa? She found me on Instagram. I was doing videos from the Coffee Cup Music Series. Yeah, you got three different uh, three different YouTubes, and one of them is that Coffee Cup Series. Uh, uh, you'll yeah. tell me about that as soon as we talk about Lisa. Yeah, so she had found me on there and uh, contacted me, and I thought, oh, God, what kind of nut is this? You know, that's really what went through my head. But sure enough, she said, go on Twitter. And I got on Twitter, and sure enough, she got my phone on Twitter up really high. And she started making all these cool videos and stuff and promoting me. And she's done a lot. It's been a big inspiration to me. My goodness. I've only just contacted her over the past couple of weeks. And I've never seen so many videos. <laughs> that lady is very talented. <laughs> yeah, she's a good, she's a great promoter. And uh, she believes in music and she believes, she believes in everything she does. And, and she's done a lot of good, good stuff for artists all, all the way across the board. That's beautiful to have that kind of a person with a good heart. And, and so, I mean, it sounds like your your dad believed in you. That's for sure. He was a musician. Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. he, he got you that that break. He got you into that contest. You went to England. Uh, you know? Yeah, I still have T-shirts and CDs sitting in England. I can't get them back. It costs too much to get them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope the English folk are, are having a good time wearing their Michael Ken gear. 
<laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope to see him again too. You know. Well, let the people know how, how to get a hold of you, Michael Ken. How to get a hold of this music? All right. If all you have to do is basically in this day and time, luckily you just Google Michael Ken, and uh, you'll find my website, MichaelKenMusic.com, and you'll find my socials, all my socials. You know, Facebook, uh, Michael Ken. We got Michael Ken Music on Facebook, and also Michael Ken Music on Twitter and Instagram, and then you know iTunes. Uh, CD Baby, all those places host my music and my stuff. Like March 27th, I Go Crazy Project will come up. That is and fantastic. And you hear it first right here. Oh, I love it, yeah. Michael Ken. Uh, you know, t- uh, t- um, they can get, they can still get a hold of all, all your other uh, music projects out there as well. Yeah, they're all on iTunes. If you go on iTunes, you can find everything that I've done. Um, um. Yeah, and that, that's all you have to do is go to MichaelKenMusic.com. That'll lead you everywhere. You got your socials right there and all the all the music and you got a little a little bio as well. And but we've heard it right here from the from the horse's mouth, if you will, Mr. Michael Ken. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I mean, what kind of gigs you playing coming up real soon? It's what? What, what kind of gigs you playing? Are where can people see you uh, out on the streets? Well, right now they're gonna see me streaming stuff and next month I'm gonna start doing some live uh, little videos and stuff, but um, you know, of course, with the coronavirus thing going on, nobody's doing live gigs until that eases up. So, well, that seems to be what a lot of people are doing. I mean, I just heard that uh, Patrick Stewart, the uh, the uh, Enterprise captain, he's doing sonnets uh, daily. So, if you want to hear some Shakespearean sonnets, you can hear them there. So, uh, a lot of these artists are doing uh, live music online and uh, putting a little a little hat out, put their little PayPal at the bottom of the, uh, so you can link up. And if you like them, throw yeah. a couple bucks their way. Hopefully, Michael Ken yeah. will be out there and put your PayPal link or your Ko-Fi link or whatever, and uh, yeah. throw a couple bucks your way while you're playing for the yeah. people. Yeah, we're working on that right now. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's all good. I mean, I think everything's gonna work out. We got a great country here, man, and I think it's gonna be. You know, here's the thing that I, if I had to say it, if somebody asked me to say one thing to America right now, my thing is be in America. Start believing in and love again man start playing some good heartfelt music again you know it's too much too much facades going on in my opinion that you know is, that make america america musical again exactly man <laughs> all right yeah yeah, some good music out, you know? Man, that's what we got to yeah. do is just get together. You know, I know we're supposed to be social distancing. As you hear this, we're recording this in March of 2020 with this coronavirus out there. I'm hoping that the internet has blown it out of proportion. I'm hoping it's just a, a, a flu, a bad flu. I know it's killing people. It probably is. I mean, in all reality, I think it is. I think it is. And I think it's, we're going to come back because everything's been great. Well, you know? our, our, uh, old Donnie T, he's out there saying, uh, let's get back to work by uh, by uh, Easter, <laughs> one month from now. <laughs> and all the scientists are going, no, no, it's going to take a little while longer. <laughs> but you know, old Donnie T, he he, he has his own mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael Ken. We've learned a little bit about you. We know where to where to find you and uh, where to follow you and make sure that we can keep an eye on your career. Usually I finish these things off with last words for the people. Michael Ken, you can give some last words, some words to live by, some something that just pops in your head, whatever you want. Michael Ken, last words for the people. Last words for the people is just check out the music and uh, just Google Michael Ken and you can hear my life story through my songs. That's basically it. And everybody believe in each other, care for each other, and let's break the walls down of, you know, race and everything else. Everybody needs to just care about each other, man. That's what, look, it does, it's easier to give than it is to take. Hey, we got to learn to get along. This, this coronavirus is short-lived, man. We're going to be all right. Well, there you have it, party people. Michael Ken. Man, I knew it was going to be good. I just didn't know it was going to be that good. This man has brushed greatness. You know, listening to Ronnie Millsap, you know, of all places, meets him at a school for the blind because he's got a little problem with his eyes. So he meets up with Ronnie Millsap of all people in North Carolina. And Ronnie Millsap says, uh, you need to go do some country music. And he did. Michael Ken listens to the greatness listens to the the sound advice of people 
and he works well with others, you know, from Travis Tritt and to Earl Thomas Conley out to England and beyond. You just heard the story. I don't even need to run it down again. Man, you've done some stuff, Michael Ken, and you're continuing to do stuff. And now your new song, your cover of I Go Crazy is coming out real soon, the 27th. And on Apple Tunes, so make sure that people go out there and purchase and support Michael Ken. I appreciate you for coming on the What Makes You Famous podcast. It's so good talking to you. All right. Thank you. If you'd like to tell your story, and now I'm talking to you, the loyal listener of What Makes You Famous. If you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call at 501 570-6386 or email info at radiowhat.com that's it for me it's keys dan radiowhat.com djlittlerock.com peace i'm out of here if you like what you hear follow what makes you famous social media use the hashtag what makes you famous follow on facebook at what makes you famous follow on instagram at what makes you famous follow on twitter at makes famous and follow on youtube at keys dan leave what makes you famous podcast a review and subscribe listen to what makes you famous podcasts on podbean itunes youtube stitcher google podcast and spotify and almost anywhere you find podcasts tell your story on my podcast what makes you famous Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keysdan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. Radio What, the music you want. With some great Great quotes. Integrity without knowledge is weak and useless. And knowledge without integrity is dangerous and dreadful. Samuel Johnson. The music you want. RadioWhat.com Hey guys, this is Shelly G. She said, what? Well, you are going to have to listen to the countdown to hear what I say. And make sure to keep listening to Radio What for more information and trivia. She said, what?